0: Hello, everyone. Today is my birthday, and I thought I'd like to talk about a particularly eventful birthday I celebrated six months after I was released from the BOP women's camp in Dublin, California. Early in the morning of that birthday, back in 2018, my boss, who's a lawyer, decided to go and listen in on a Utah Supreme Court case that was being presented that day concerning civil forfeiture. You may have not noticed it, but I've actually talked a lot about the term civil forfeiture here in this series in a very informal way. When the cops take your property, forfeiture is the official legal language to describe those actions. To me, forfeiture is basically governmental sanctioned robbery. The case he went to sit in on that morning was called Savely versus Utah Highway Patrol. This case was about a state patrolman who pulled over Mr. Savely's vehicle going west on I-80 in Utah. Did the officer have probable cause to stop the car? Nope. Because, yep, you guessed it, he just pulled that favorite catch-all of all catch-alls out of his butt following too closely. (laughs) These days an officer simply doesn't need probable cause for anything because he can pretty much just lie and say he pulled you over for some imagined or made-up driving infraction. You can bet your last dollar that his body cam happened to be turned off at the time. Not sure what gave him the legality for his next step of searching Sabley's car though. But that's exactly what the trooper did. My, what a good nose he had, because lo and behold, the cop found and seized half a million dollars in cash. Wow. (laughs) In other words, Mr. Savely forfeited half a million dollars, $500,000. Okay, (laughs) that's a bit suspicious, I'll admit. Not that many legit peeps out there are carrying that kind of cash in their car every day now, are they? And the clincher? The car was headed west on the country's largest drug corridor towards Mecca. Marijuana Mecca, remember? Hello, Emerald Triangle! I wonder what Mr. Sabley looked like that day. Did he have dreads? Was he white? Was he black, brown skinned? Because that matters. Remember at the beginning of the series I talked about those cops who sit up in the hills just off of I-80 eating Cheetos in their squad cars as they look through their binoculars at every person in every car passing by, while at the same time collecting data on their stingray machines from cell phones? With the help of Stingray, they can go through any cell phone and pull all of its photos, texts, emails, anything they choose from passing travelers. Maybe Mr. Saby had a gnarly beard or was wearing meditation beads. Maybe he was DWB, you remember that, driving while black or brown. You can see all those details through powerful binoculars, to be sure. Or maybe the cops had received an insider's tip and said, There he is! Let's go get him! Here's the catch on this particular case. The cops never arrested or charged Savely. Didn't even give him a traffic citation. They took the money and then simply released Savely to go on his way. Take care, Mr. Savly. Drive safely. (laughs) And like I always say, that was that. The state patrolmen kept the money. Like common thieves, they didn't even file a traffic citation, let alone criminal charges, and kept the money. They kept the money. What the hell? What if that happened to you? What if some cop stole your money? How would you feel? No arrest, no citation, nothing. They just pulled you over, had a yard sale, took the money and ran. (laughs) Talk about bald-faced, blatant corruption. I imagine the defendant, Savely, was furious. It makes me furious just hearing about it. (laughs) Savely was furious enough to go and find one of the best criminal defense lawyers in Salt Lake to see if he could get his money back. The very day after Sabley filed his lawsuit, which was within the year of them pulling him over, Utah State Parole decided to play hide the ball and turn the money over to the feds. I'm amazed they could even turn over the full amount, but at least some of it wasn't gone by then. Of course, they then claimed they didn't have the money because they had rightfully turned it over to DEA. <laughs> Oh, geez. Ugh, so mature. Finally, hacking through the blue wall, lack of accountability, the game playing in the incredible entanglement by the rest of the authorities, on August 22, 2018, five months after the Supreme Court hearing that day of my birthday, the court made the decision to force Utah State Patrol to give the money back to Sabley. Finally, some freaking law and order around here. Thankfully, the Supreme Court put a stop to this particular abuse. It's not like you can take the courts for granted and assume they'll make good moral decisions though, because often they don't. I mean, where was the district court on this issue? The court below the Supreme Court? The first court that Savely went to, where were they? Obviously, they were totally cool with the patrolman's decisions. Why did the District Court give Utah State Patrol a free pass on stealing Sabley's money in the first place? Because they didn't like him? Because they had their suspicions? His dreads? His skin color bothered them? Who needs rule of law when you're a boss? Does the end justify the means? Does justice only cut one way? Apparently, At our law office, we're currently working on a 20-year-old case in nearby Duchesne County where the Sheriff's Department came in and raided one of the wealthiest families in town. Killing all the fish in their pond, seizing diaries, taking personal family photographs, they took two expensive cars and a huge cache of ammunition and a very valuable 28-gun collection. 18 years ago, The son went down on a murder charge for life after the forfeitures. Now, the county won't give his mother back one single photograph, diary, or the cars they seized, even though all those things were the parents' property. This mother has watched the local deputies drive her expensive cars all over town, flaunting their license to steal. What's the sheriff's reaction to returning the property back to the rest of the family? Over my dead body. That was Sheriff David Bourne's response to the mother. They wouldn't even return her personal photographs until the lady spent hundreds and thousands of dollars on attorneys to sue the county to get the damn photos back. In turn, the DA's office spent thousands and thousands of dollars of taxpayers' money defending the sheriff's department's actions. I can understand them coveting the cars, the ammunition, and expensive gun collection. But why keep the personal photos and diaries? When they were ordered to turn over the property 18 years later, sure enough, Some of the guns had disappeared, there was no ammunition left, and every car had been run into the ground. That's some pretty corrupt anarchy on the part of the Duchesne County DA, the Sheriff Boren, and his gang of thugs, to be sure. That's the thing about these types of people. They raid defendants' homes and steal every valuable thing they can under the legal umbrella of civil forfeiture and seizure. They're trying to make something criminal sound official and right. Often, many of the things they seize don't even have anything to do with the case and aren't returned. If it's something prosecutors need as evidence against the defendant, then it's rightfully called forfeiture and seizure, and their actions are indeed defendable. If it is items that they covet, civil seizure is simply a license to steal. When they abuse this dynamic, which they do way too often, no matter how you spin it, stealing is stealing. Is law enforcement above the law? Who polices the police? For them, there is no rule of law, and they're allowed to do this kind of thing all the time. The ruling of Sabley getting his money back is pretty unique, but How many people have the means to go through the courts all the way up to the Supreme Court level? How much money did Savely, or our client, have to spend on lawyers to take it to the Supreme Court? Again, in this country, the only ones who get justice are the ones who can afford it. Cops and prosecutors absolutely know this. Is this a great country or what? Let's change the subject for a minute and talk about what it was like later when that very same day, two years ago, my boss, Bob and I went to my favorite restaurant, the one I've mentioned before, Takashi's, a really wonderful sushi place here in Salt Lake City. They took me there for my birthday. Here's the thing, I don't know how he does it, but here in the heart of the Rocky Mountains, Takashi, the owner, manages to get his fish fresh off the West Coast boats in the mid-morning and into his restaurant that very same night. The food is the best ever, and it's justifiably quite pricey. This is one of the hit places in Salt Lake where all the cool people go. There's always a wait, even on weeknights. Takashi is in the heart of downtown Salt Lake near our office, and more importantly, it's located directly across the street from the federal courthouse. That morning, I dressed. I was excited for my birthday and I dressed to the nines for the occasion. I knew we were going out for lunch to Takashi's, and I did my makeup and hair meticulously, and I wore my most elegant day outfit. I looked really good, if I do say so myself. I was celebrating this year, and in an especially big way, because like I said, the year before in 2017, I had spent my birthday in prison. <laughs> that was the most miserable birthday ever. Ever. <laughs> Bob and Trey were in prison at the same time in Florence, Colorado, on Sheridan, Oregon. I was really upset on my birthday that year because they'd ripped me away from Bob and they hadn't allowed me to write or talk to him for over two months. This year's birthday was going to be much, much better. Totally opposite of the year before. When my boss got back from the Supreme Court hearing, we walked over to Takashi's. After we sat down, got comfortable and ordered, a group of suits walked in right after us. The hostess sat them at the table directly across from us. There was about eight or so of them. I figured they were probably attorneys from across the street at the federal courthouse on lunch break or something. After they sat down, they ordered beer, wine, and sushi. There was only one woman in that group. She was kind of invisible, sporting a badly home-dyed hair. You know, that that brown color with that, that slightly green tinge. <laughs> She was frumpy, she had a helmet hairstyle, you know, the stereotype I'm talking about. I only even noticed her because I felt like, well, maybe I was imagining it, but it seemed like she was eyeing me. At first, I just chalked it up to women doing their thing towards each other, you know how women are, we size each other up, but she kept on eyeing me. She could scarcely keep from staring at me. Every time I'd look up, she'd look away too quickly. Like her terrible hair, I noticed she was wearing cheap clothing like the rest of the guys in the group, and she was wearing scuffed, costless, flat shoes and a shapeless brown polyester suit. Man, I hate brown suits. Don't you? (laughs) Brown is for the UPS man. It's such a powerless color wearing a brown suit is like wearing high waters and high and white socks (laughs) anyways I thought what's up with frumpy butts why does she keep looking at me she thinks I don't notice but I do so rude (laughs) because of the shabby clothes I thought maybe they're criminal defense lawyers (laughs) It didn't even cross my mind that they could be prosecutors and agents because people like them don't ever make enough money to come to a place like this. They could never afford a lunch in this place or the wine and imported Japanese beer they were drinking. But as I continued to discreetly observe, Sure enough, that's exactly who this little gang was. Wisps of conversation let me know they were prosecutors and agents. D.E.A. EA agents. As I eyed the woman, I kept thinking, is it? No. No, nah, it, it, it couldn't be. But yes, it was. <laughs> the more I watched, the more it started dawning on me that Helmet Head was one of the agents who had raided my home two and a half years ago. Ugh. Talk about Small Lake City. (laughs) I realized this lady was a part of the DEA stormtroopers who had raided my home, arrested me, and confiscated, stole $9,000 cash from me. This particular gal was also part of the interrogation crew of seven to nine agents who surrounded me on the couch in my living room. They told me if I'd cooperate and tell them everything right now, they'd let me off. But if I lawyered up, the deal would be off the table. <coughs> oh man, I could tell you one thing right now. These bozos sure can't play poker. I mean, it wasn't like I had to think about it. Hmm, should I squeal or not? <laughs> it was the damnedest thing. They waited intensely for my reply, hanging on every word I said. Yep, gonna talk to a lawyer. I don't think I will ever forget the profound collective disappointment on those people's faces. Their faces, all of them, just fell like an avalanche. I kind of pulled back in complete surprise. I remember thinking, wow, cops on TV are way smoother than you guys are. <laughs> at that birthday at Takashi's, I asked myself, Self? What the hell are these badly dressed fools doing in my restaurant? <laughs> I felt outraged. And not only that, they weren't even paying for it. They were eating at Takashi's on your dime. Taxpayers were paying for that $500 lunch bill. Or, defendants that they stole from were paying for this extravagant lunch. Forfeitures and seizures are used as slush funds. They were eating on my dime. Now we're going full circle. As you can tell by now, as this year's season comes to a close, I've been radicalized. I couch my bias of civil forfeiture in terms like governmental sanctioned robbery. I don't think of law enforcement or prosecutors as a few bad apples. Good cops, good prosecutors and judges are the exception. How many times have I told you in this series, of course everybody has civil rights in the United States, until they need them. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I don't ever want to be categorized as an anarchist. I sincerely believe in law and order, safety and peace in our country. We should have justice and punishment for murderers, child molesters, fraudsters, and all the undermining crimes. People like this should be taken away from society to keep everybody safe, and these are the people that do that. However, I surely don't feel like those people should be going after people who are caught up in addiction or who are homeless, people who suffer mental illnesses or have the wrong color of skin. These people shouldn't be considered criminals. Just because someone in your family is guilty of a crime doesn't mean it's okay for the cops to come in and take everything they own. Sad to say, but... Public servants don't have the public's trust anymore because too many of them have been abusing their positions for far too long. Going back to Agent Helmethead on that special birthday two years ago, no, I didn't confront her or go up to her or kick her in the shins. I didn't have to. She knew what she was. She knew who I was. She remembered me. There I was, free, lest alive, living large like a queen in my natural setting. There I was with a husband who was crazy about me and beloved friends, intact with my integrity and my strength, and I looked good, damn good. <laughs> oh, this poor little homely agent who was sitting across from me in the restaurant that day, was so out of her element and comfortable and awkward, shabby. She wore a brown suit for crying out loud. Are you kidding me? Who does that? Not to be a mean girl or anything. (laughs) But she ain't never gonna find a spouse or lover bringing her to a place like that. Not even for a sunshine roll at lunch. I wasn't wearing an ugly brown suit. I didn't have a helmet hairdo. That just had to grate on her. She was probably more bugged than I was. Pretty sure I'm gonna go to hell for being a mean girl, but hey, the truth is hard, right? (laughs) Besides, I heard through the grapevine that when you're mean to federal agents, you get a pass. (laughs) Oh, man. Those prosecutors and DEA, they thought they could stamp us out like cockroaches. Oh, but the thing about cockroaches is that the damn things just keep multiplying and coming back faster, stronger, and better, (laughs) and definitely more beautiful and sexy than freaking ever. (laughs) I got a new iPhone, computers, iPads, all the things, all replaced brand spanking new, and the $9,000 they took from me in civil forfeiture that day of the raid? (sighs) Meh. Easy come, easy go. (laughs) If they hadn't come to the house that day the way they did and taken everything from me, I wouldn't be talking to you all right now. My loss is your gain. (laughs) You're welcome, kids. (laughs) You just gotta love it when you run into your worst enemy on a positively awesome day. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) That's our episode for tonight, kids. (laughs) Be good, stay safe, and don't do anything I would do. (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Trinity. (laughs) Happy birthday to me. Yay!